All right, we have a great limited upside podcast today. It's it's fun one because we have Seth Rosenthal joining us uh, from Posting and Toasting. As we get into these team previews, it's always nice to be able to tap into our SB Nation talent. Seth uh, writes for SB Nation at large now, does a lot of stuff. You might know him from you know, various uh, videos and whatnot on SB Nation. But more than anything, he's the architect and uh, the one who founded uh, Posting and Toasting, our very popular Knicks website and community. Uh, but as always, please... Rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. We've been getting a lot of uh, reviews lately. We really appreciate them. The ratings, always important. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, all those platforms where you find your iTunes, uh, where you find your podcasts. Hmm. And, uh, and really, more than anything, we enjoyed diving into the Knicks offseason today. This was a good time to talk about the future of Porzingis, what Carmelo means to the community here in New York. What the bench looks like with all the new blood they brought in from Rose to Jennings to Lee. So we get into all that. Seth is uh, non-committal on some things, but very passionate about others. He'll also answer who and what he thinks the best name for a dog is, because obviously Knicks fans care about that. So enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to probably our most exciting team preview of the summer. This is about the New York Knicks posting and toasting our New York Knicks community. It's been led by one guy for for a long time. He started the community. He's a good friend of ours. He's been on the podcast a couple a couple other times, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, uh, Seth Ro- uh, Seth Rosenthal, I should say, is, is sitting right next to us. We're all together in studio. Seth, thanks for coming on and and and. Trying to dive into the Knicks with us. Thank you for having me. Is this really the most exciting one of the year? I mean, I feel like most of our viewership or listenership, I should say, comes from like California, New York, the biggest places. Mm-hmm. Knicks are a uh, always a hot button, hot topic here. You kind of have the pulse of that fan base. I mean, yeah. I feel like Although, you've I will creative. say, posting and toasting is almost completely run by Joe Flynn now, okay. who deserves some credit. So, no, have? That's right. Seth has moved on to his new role as the <laughs> judge on Stuff I Know, <laughs> the referee. <laughs> the uh, Facebook well. Live show that SB Nation does, what, every week? Every week. Well, yeah, like every Wednesday-ish. Ish. Ish. Yeah, cool. So. Yeah, I mean, check it out. It's on Facebook Live, SB Nation. Dan Rubenstein runs it. Seth is the, the law and order candidate, if you will. Okay, that's the last reference we'll make towards that. Uh, having said that, <laughs> let's dive into, I don't know, the Knicks had one of the most eventful summers of a team who didn't even have a first-round pick, right? So the draft happens, and then the Knicks summer begins. Seth, why don't you just take us through, I guess we'll start with that job search that had everyone here, all the Knicks fans holding their hearts and their, mm-hmm. you know, the hearts in, the, in their throats, etc., which was Kurt Rambis was rumored for a while to have that leading man responsibility, that he was going to be the next permanent head coach of the Knicks. It didn't happen. The bag of basketballs that we talked about a few podcasts ago that was traded to the Sixers in the early 90s, Jeff Hornacek became the head coach of the Knicks. Talk to me about what that means for the Knicks, uh, for the Knicks as a as a franchise, and then also for this team uh, moving forward. The first thing I would say is <laughs> I I don't know what it means. I don't really have a great sense of who Jeff Hornacek is as a coach. He obviously has a bit of experience. He was head coach in Phoenix for a few years, ran a very up tempo system, had a very different roster than he's inheriting <laughs> with the Knicks. Um, I'm happy that Kurt Rambis is not the head coach of the Knicks. I think most, most fans people, would yeah, agree with yeah. me on that. He just, you know, I, I like to think I gave him a shot as a fan, not that he, you know, really deserved people, a shot. Well, not even that he deserved a shot, <laughs> but that like I have the authority to give people shots because I'm not in charge of anything. Mm-hmm. But you bestowed that um, shot upon him. You know, he was in a position where the Knicks 
wanted to make the playoffs last year. They had there was no reason for them to tank, and he did not behave that way. He did mm-hmm. not coach the team to win, um, or like he had any sense of what it would take for the team to win. And he's a friend of Phil Jackson's, and so it was I think reasonable to believe that. Um, he was the favorite for that job. I don't know exactly what happened that prevented him from getting the job. I suspect that he was not actually that <laughs> strong of a candidate in Phil Jackson's eyes, and that was more of a little little positioning, more of a more of just a rumor that managed to sort of bootstrap itself into the so you, public eye. Then. So you don't think it was that someone came to Phil and was like, you know, we can't hire Kurt Rambis with this record? Who would that record. someone be? Maybe it was That's, Jim Dolan. Maybe it was someone else. Maybe I, it was just the the constant reaction to all the rumors about Kerr Rambis. You, you don't think that he changed his mind. You think that that was no. sort of a red herring the whole yes, time? Yes, I do. And I and I think that uh, if it was anyone, it was Steve Mills. And Steve Mills and Phil Jackson have, as far as anyone can tell, have worked mm-hmm. genuinely hand-in-hand hand since Phil joined the Knicks. I don't think it was James Dolan. I actually do believe that James Dolan is, has been hands-off with the Knicks and – if only because if he had been meddling in the Knicks affairs, we would have heard about it because there are people who live to report that kind of thing. Um, Is there any like particular moves or coaching style or anything that tipped you off while Rambus was having his audition at the end of the season, or the last half of the season uh, that just happened, that you were like, no, this, this can't move into 2017. This just this has no, to No, I mean, now. he just didn't, he didn't have patterns. He didn't mm. have... And, this is not a guy who came out of nowhere. He'd been working for the team for a couple of years. He was Fisher's top assistant since the beginning. Um, he didn't do anything with the playbook, really. He didn't. His rotations were not consistent from night to night. They didn't always make sense. Um, the players pretty actively rebelled against him. You know, Robin Lopez was. It was pretty <laughs> clear that Robin Lopez didn't like him. It was pretty clear that even Przingis, who really like knows how to put on a happy face. Sure. It was clear that Przingis didn't like him, that Mello didn't like him. So in our last podcast, uh, when we did the Nuggets, uh, Jokic came up, obviously, mm. in, in mm. a little bit of talk with Porzingis. And oh, it's, it's kind of convenient that this is one after <laughs> it's the lovely. other. Because yeah. Nuggets fans think that Jokic had a better season than Porzingis. Uh, I mean, objectively, he did. But, he but the point— He did. And, and what Adam uh, Mares, who, who was on our, our podcast, uh, was, was bringing up really was that part of that was the usage— the fact that by the end of the year, Jokic had been brought along real slowly. His minutes were, were really held in check. And then by the end of the season, his best basketball was coming out because he was pretty fresh. Yeah. And it was the exact opposite with Porzingis. No, the Knicks worked like. the shit out of Porzingis. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I think um, Jokic had a statistically better season. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fine. He's really good. Sure. Um, Still take Porzingis 10 times out of 10. Yeah. I also yeah. feel that way. I think Porzingis <laughs> was thrust into a... I think he just made the mistake of having a terrific summer league and having a couple really good games to start the season. In New York. In New York. Shame on him. And, you know, has has this uh, bullion personality that everyone loves, and it was like, well, let's just play him all the time. Yep. Um, and so his, his numbers really weren't terrific last year, but I don't think you could watch the guy sure. or see some of his best games and not think, yeah, he can probably iron out those shooting percentages and be a really good player. Well, the other thing is that some of the stuff he's good at is hard to measure, like defensive positioning for a player who's yeah. young. He was also played out of position with under Kurt Rambis, right? I mean, Rambis, yeah. I mean, at least he talked about playing him uh, more on the perimeter. 
there was just something about the way he was used that wasn't quite right. But the other thing with Rambis too is that he, this isn't like the first time he has taken over a team and it has fallen apart. He's got on like him. the worst record ever for a coach with a certain right. amount of coaching experience. Yeah, it would have been right? totally absurd yeah. if he had the job, and I think we all agree. And, yeah. But now Hornacek has a job, yeah. and like you said, it's kind of tough to pin down what he's going to be because this team is so different, uh, and and f- he's now being touted. If he's with Phil Jackson, the thought is that there maybe they won't run the pure triangle, but there have to be triangle elements to it. And there's a question: Do you think that Hornacek is going to be allowed to coach whatever system we don't know exactly what it is that he wants, or is there going to be some influence from above about how this team is going to play? I don't think Phil Jackson would have chosen Jeff Hornacek to be coach if they didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Phil Jackson is a coach sure. by trade. Um, and I think he has a strong, you know, he, I, I don't think he connected particularly well with Fisher and, you know, unexpectedly, un, unexpectedly, he wasn't um, able to level with Fisher philosophically. And I think he feels that he will be able to do that with Hornacek. I have <laughs> no basis for saying that other than like the dude is one of the greatest coaches ever. Um, and that's, that's why he's a legend. He wasn't a good player. He has <laughs> no reputation as a GM. So that's his thing. Wait, 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 wait. Jeff Hornacek or Phil Jackson? No, Phil Jackson. Jackson. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, Jeff Phil Hornacek was a killer. Killer yeah. player. Okay. Right. Great player. Right. Sorry. Well, so. but I thought he was the bag of balls in the uh, Barkley trade. Well, so which, which one is it? <laughs> well, just I did say, and this is on the record, I was a huge fan of his. He was a, one of my favorite players as a child. Yeah, so it's a very valuable ball that you have yeah. that they gave well, up. Perry and Lang and the other compensatory parts of that deal were terrible. But anytime you trade a 50 greatest <laughs> player of all time for a guy who we're now talking about as the coach of the Knicks, it's different, okay. okay. But I don't Fair want enough. to take any attention to the situation. Yeah. This is about the Knicks. Yeah. So Hornacek came from Utah, right? Where he had that is a system team, and then he went to Phoenix and he ran a system that was very simple. I felt like they were, you know, running a lot of plays that were pretty basic. They're simple post ups, a lot of pick and roll, a lot of speed, and now he has a team that. On the one hand, they have a point guard that is sort of have to run, I think, fairly simple stuff because he can't shoot. But some of the other pieces on that team are kind of interesting from a system perspective with Joakim Noah's passing, with whatever Melo does, with Courtney Lee's kind of a really good system fit-in player. I mean, what what do you think this team is going to kind of play like in terms of their well, offense? And so that's sort of what I like about Hornacek is that and I'm basing this only on the kind of stuff he says because so you can right it's now. hard to go off the Phoenix stuff. And, you, you know, the Knicks haven't played any basketball yet. So I, I think that Hornacek doesn't have that much of an ego about a system or about, uh, you know, the right way to play ball and that he's going to look at the players who are sitting in front of him and try, try to make a decent basketball team. And I think the if there is beauty in what the Knicks did this summer, it's the, the team makes sense together. Um, they yeah, have so. they don't have a ton of shooting, but they have enough. Um, you know, they solved the major issue of last year, hopefully, if Rose is healthy, healthy, which is that they just didn't have a remotely <laughs> close to starting caliber point guard. I hope Jose Calderon doesn't listen to this. Uh, I think even Jose no, Calderon about, agreed. Jose Calderon is on the record being like, yeah, that was a huge problem. I should, I'm like 43 years old. I should not be your starting point guard. I was going to say, I think Jose Calderon would agree that he's probably not a starting point guard no, anymore. Yeah, honestly, he would. He has said as much. He had dinner reservations um, for like 9.35 every single night. <laughs> Get out of here, guys. And so you know, I, I think the Knicks are not – the Knicks, like every other basketball team on earth, are going to run some elements of the triangle offense. I think the Knicks, because Hornacek seems like a really reasonably intelligent person, 
um, will, you know, run the ball out of the high post a lot because they have Joachim Noah, who's a good passer out of the high post. Um, I think ideally they'll run a bunch of pick and roll because Derrick Rose is, you know, can drive off the pick and roll and Chris Stapps is pretty deadly pick and roll threat if you use them the right way. Yep. Um, I, I don't have a good read on the style of offense that they're going to run. I hope that they're going to play defense, which they didn't do last year. But I, I don't think, you know, the, the Knicks are going to be one of those teams that, um, that you know, that's going to be in uh, Prada's pictures a lot where they're like <laughs> running super elegant sets sure. and stuff you've never <laughs> seen before. I think they'll probably be pretty, pretty simple. I think they'll probably be pretty straightforward and, you know, that, is there, that fits. Prada, is there anything that you noticed that he implemented or, or, or that he utilized, Hornacek utilized in Phoenix that you could see projecting onto the Knicks or anything that you can kind of tie that might give a projection here? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I, I think they are such different teams. Yeah. Phoenix was such a push-the-pace-and-get-an-early offense team. And that was sort of what a lot of Bulls fans didn't like about Rose last year is that Hoiberg wanted them to get into stuff quicker, and he struggled with that, I think. You know, and it seems like he should be able to do that, but it just didn't happen last year. So I don't know. I mean, they ran certain – the Suns did run some good sideline out of bounds stuff, which I think the Knicks will be able to do. But like Seth said, there's there's not a really because that Phoenix team really didn't have a lot of playmaking on their on that team. They had no, a lot they're of scores. They're yeah. fast and they're very direct. You know, they're kind of like the soccer team that plays long balls. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks, on the other hand, they've got a center that can pass and can't score. They've got this shooting guard that kind of slides into spaces. They have an isolation scorer. They have whatever Rose is, and then they have Porzingis's ability to stretch the floor. There's a lot of competing elements. So. We don't know what it's going to look like, but I think it's a big key to how well they're going to play because you know there are so many different parts that don't. It, it sound there's certain ways that that does make sense together, but it's also taking a lot of people that do slightly different things, and it will require someone who can kind of create a, something cohesive around them. So that's why it's interesting to see that Hornacek is the higher. I, we don't know one way or the other really how well he can do that. I, I, I think that's all fair. And I think that Porzingis is a massive variable. I think mm-hmm. the, yeah. the one big variable with these Knicks because of their new additions is health. And I think the other one is that Porzingis, I don't think it's unreasonable for someone to think this guy could be one of the best players in the NBA as soon as this year. And I don't think it's unreasonable for someone to think he you know, might not improve that much on his rookie season and might not be someone that they can rely mm-hmm. on every night. So what's the key? How, what have, has to happen for him for him to go to the first one and not have the second one happen? Um, I think a lot of it is... I, I'm not... One thing, going back to something you said earlier, I'm not that worried about his position, about oh, you know, the, the, okay. the way he's used so much. Hmm. Um, he, he comes into this being able to do a little bit of everything, a decent amount of everything. Sure. So um, I think his finishing is a, is a big deal. Um, I think he's a guy who, you know, should be really good in the pick and roll, but was a little um, a little unwilling to draw contact, a little hesitant around the rim. Um, that comes with physical maturity. That just comes, yeah, mm-hmm. and, I, you know, these are all very fixable yeah. things that I'm going to list. I think his – it's weird to be saying this about a guy who's – 7'3". 7'3", but his ball handling <laughs> – Yeah is only a few notches on the dial away from being like a genuine threat where he can take people off the dribble, which is, yeah. again, crazy to say. Um, but if that improves, Man. like that's a whole other way you can use him. And I 
just based on like looking at Instagram. That's what he's been working on all summer. <laughs> I thought you were um, going to say 20 pounds of muscle. That would have been the, the name of this podcast, by the way. If we didn't do limited upside, 20 yeah, pounds 20 of muscle. Pounds of muscle. I mean, it's, 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 it's still, 15, there's still time. 15. 15 is right There's still time. Uh, um, do you think he needs to kind of work on ducking in more with no in the high post? I mean, I'm just kind of, I'm just having trouble. See, I wonder how he's going to be used. And I know, you, yeah, you, I mean, know for you it's not a big deal, but it, it's something that intrigues me. It's like his instincts are so good. And his he's already <laughs> such a good right passer. And so, yeah, I'm beaming as I say this. But <laughs> I kind of just think that you can let him do whatever and he'll figure it out. That's fair. And, but, and then the other... The huge one is he is clearly a technically sound shooter. He needs to be a an accurate shooter. Right. His yeah. his shooting numbers were not actually very good last season, and yet you could watch him and be like, "This kid is a good shooter." For sure. Um, there are plenty of players, you know, who come into the league and it's like, "Well, he looks like a good shooter," and then they never yeah. actually hit forty percent of their threes. Yeah, like or whatever. Nick Stauskas. Sure, and yeah. like Nick Stauskas, if you were to watch him to shoot jumpers, looks really good. Um, and when they go in, they look great. Yep. But for some reason, shot selection, well, uh, mentality, whatever. Mentality. And you hit this on the head, too, when you when you kind of, you've been hinting towards this. But Porzingis walked into the league last year, and it wasn't too big for him to be in the NBA. It was the right size. It was the right, he had the right personality to step in from the European game directly into the pros, directly into New York City. You know, Stauskas has a, a, a complete opposite, the, the antithesis anxiety. He gets into the games and he's a shell of himself. Yeah. Porzingis got into the game, his first summer league experience, and you were like, oh, yeah. shit, this guy's for real. Right. Yeah. Isn't this it is, amazing yeah. that you're not worried about how the 21-year-old fit, fits in? Yeah. And, and not to say that you're saying, it actually makes sense what you're saying. I'm not trying to say, right. like, oh, this is ridiculous. Opinion. The 21 year old, we're not worried about how they fit in. It's really more the 27 year old off injured point guard and mm-hmm. the 30, what is 32 year old mellow and the 31, 32 year old Noah. I mean, that seemed like bigger question marks. I mean, how do you see? Let's go to Rose. I mean, when the Rose trade made, I remember you were not so thrilled with it. And I think part of that was probably because they lost Robin Lopez. But yeah. now, after seeing how all the summer has gone, like, how are you feeling about that fit and that move and how it makes sense in the context of? everything else they've done yeah i mean as you described it uh, rose has one year left on his contract i was totally fine given the thinness of the available point guard market with the knicks you know giving up nothing for derrick rose which (laughs) is i thought is what the trade would be is like you know maybe you have to give up jaron grant but it's a second rounder or it's whatever you need to make a match Mm -hmm. um i was really annoyed that the knicks gave up robin lopez at all, because Robin Lopez, I think, is excellent, fit really well with Chris Tapps on offense, is severely underrated on defense and offense, and had a, just a beautiful contract. Yeah, he was good last Makes year. Makes no money compared yeah. to what all these guys are making. Yeah. Um, so that, <laughs> that was my big problem with that. His comparable centers make unbelievable amounts. Well, let's see, what, what, like, so Noah's <laughs> making, what, like four or five million more a year for one more year? Is that, yeah. is that or, what it is? Wait, Lopez makes 12, right? 12 a year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to double check. How much is Timothy Mozgov making now? 18. 16. 16? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, and from that perspective, wow. yeah, I mean, definitely. Right. So that was what upset you. So, so we, have the, a, we have a good question here sure. that I think we can interject as we're talking about Rose and his health. Uh, Samit sure. Sarkar, our, mm-hmm. our buddy here, uh, wanted to know how many games does Rose play this season? And he's setting the over-under at 64 and a half. I actually really like that over-under there. What do you think, Seth? Sure. Uh, 
Come I, on. I have no what way to Vegas predict that sort of thing. <laughs> well, the thing, the well, only let, thing let's I can say. Let's list your phrases. What would be a, for how, what, how many games would you feel like, kind of like, okay, we got a pretty good amount of games out of Derek? Yeah, I mean, I'd put it around there, like 65. Um, the, the thing that makes me hopeful about Rose's health for this one year is that throughout his career, he has been dogged by chronic knee injuries, lower body injuries. The thing that uh, he played most of the season last year, and the thing that kept him out of games was a acute injury to his eyeball, like a freak accident. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my orbital. Oh, and, God. and that's also yeah. <laughs> also vouchers for some of his stats where he yeah. was seeing double for a couple months of the year. And so this is actually goes for Noah, too, is that these are both guys who have had chronic injury issues, which are real neither of them experienced those chronic injury issues last season they mm-hmm. had other things happen mm-hmm. and the kinds of things that can happen to anybody sure. so yes if Derrick Rose gets cracked in the eye or something then that sucks um, but he did just have a full year in which his knees were not a major issue unfortunately sure. his production I'm not so sure about that and yeah, that's the I question mean, he, I mean, yeah, if he's how much of an upgrade guy. is he you think over Jose Calderon. I mean, like obviously, like <laughs> we could be an upgrade over Jose Calderon, but is it is where? What I worry about is that just his jumper is like gone, and so I wonder will people just go under his screens? And I mean, yeah. What what um what do you what are reasonable expectations that should Knicks fans have? I'm I am not a Derrick Rose expert. You know, I <laughs> I really don't have a great read on what to expect from him. Um, and I obviously don't expect him to play at his best because he was the MVP at his best. But um, the Knicks, you know, so I can only think of it from the negative perspective, the, mm. you know, the converse perspective, which is that the Knicks last season um, got shooting out of Jose Calderon. But his I, I could do a whole podcast about this, but Jose Calderon's <laughs> efficiency numbers are a complete myth. I've been saying anyway, that for years. Anyway, um, <laughs> I've been saying that for years. they got the shooting from him because he's sort of like a mini Steve Novak and can play that role. Um, but they did not have any penetration, not from him, not from really Langston Galloway. Um, and Jaron Grant just didn't really see the floor enough to have that kind of impact mm-hmm. and has his own issues. Derek Rose, if he's healthy, should be able to get to the basket mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he was doing that last year even though he could not see the basket and <laughs> no he saw two so, baskets but yeah, <laughs> yeah <that's true>. <laughs> <laughs> he was getting to a basket maybe it was not the actual basket but um so that's gonna help that ju- there's just no way the knicks will not benefit from he- i think they were i think chris herring has written about this a bunch that the knicks were by far at, you know at the very bottom of the league in uh drives to the basket and yep. Rose should be able to do that. The floor is going to be pretty spread for him. You know, he's got shooters all the way up in some lineups. Um, and in the projected starting lineup, he's got, he's got three really strong shooters on the floor. So hopefully his his lack of shooting isn't as much of an issue as it was when, you know, the next best guy on the floor is Jimmy Butler, where that's also a bit of an issue. Um, yeah, know, Hopefully sense. some of that comes back. So- hopefully he's you know not a complete problem on defense the way Calderon was he's not a good you know Rose is not a good defender and I don't expect that from him he's not Calderon though he's not Calderon though and man I I I just like if he's unhealthy that's one thing if he's just a you know a sort of washed up version of himself I still think that's a step up so they brought in some other guards I think we've 
we've put a little bow on Rose for for the for the moment. We need to see how it plays out. I mean, one of these things we got to mm-hmm. see what Hornacek's logistics mm-hmm. are and what Rose's physical abilities hopefully, are. Hopefully, he will bloom into something that oh, useful for them. <laughs> see, I could tell Mike had this look on his face when I said, "We'll see what Rose will be." <laughs> And it was the creation of a pun face. So hey, you said Actually, tie a bow. So yeah, I, I, immediately, yeah. I immediately thought of God. like a bouquet of flowers. That's, one I, thing about Rose too yeah, is that off. it's it's his physical abilities, his health, and it's also you know he's playing on a new team for the first time in his NBA career, career yep. right? And he's playing on a very different team from the kind he's ever played on. And so I think a lot of it is sort of a temperament thing. What he thinks his role is and should be on this team. Um, you know, how he relates to his teammates. He's not the best player on this team. Yeah. Well, that's the mentality component, right? This right. is a mixture so of so many different mental... I don't know if he thinks he is. Yeah. And the one, the one thing that's incurred... If you... I think every Knicks fan who watched Derek Rose's introductory press conference, and again, this time of year, these are the things we go off of that end up not mattering at all. <laughs> but anyone who watched his introductory press conference was suddenly very excited about the guy. Yeah. Because he is thrilled to be playing with Chris Dabbs for Zingas and Mello and, you know, still with Noah. And I think he feels really good about where he is. And I just got the vibe that, like, he was ready to fit in. And that's, uh, again, that's could be completely well, specious. But and the, Mello has played well with kind of these strong point guards before, the Billupses, the kids. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. And, and it looks like, you know, to your point, Seth, it, he's said the right things. He's acting the right way. He's very present here. He's You've yeah. given some very optimistic and then uh, interviews. The only other variable in all of this <laughs> is that he is probably going to go to court for gang rape. So that is complicates he? matters. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, you didn't hear about this? Yeah. I mean, I, it is currently I, a civil suit, but like, well, isn't that it now? Matters. I thought That's it was also going to trial at this point. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to go to trial in October. How can you go from civil suit to the. I, I don't know that you, that's I, the opposite. We could, yeah, we could I, go okay. all a long like, time on that's this. That's a thing. We have that's three lawyers here, everybody, this. so yeah. this is, uh, I mean, this is how all, we... We're all Jews, so <laughs> we should know this stuff. <laughs> that's true. So between us, we should be able to... Uh, yeah, so that is to, that to, is sort of a wild card. But um, so, Okay, so they, they brought in some other guards. Um, to just finish that off, I love the idea that what you're thinking there. When you change someone's uh, fit on a team, when you go from the MVP, uh, unquestioned leader of the city's sportscape... Because when he was the MVP, he wasn't mm-hmm. just the MVP of the Bulls in the NBA. He was the leader of Chicago mm-hmm. sports. Well, Jay Cutler, but yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, Sleepy Jay also thought that he was involved with that, but he yeah. never was. Um, and so he went from owning his hometown to now being in a bigger, more basketball-centric place, but with a lesser role mm-hmm. from a leadership and standpoint. And on this, like, one-year prove-yourself right, kind of deal. Right. So I, Which I is like, this whole – that leads to its whole, a whole set of new questions if he has a decent year, but we right. don't have to get into those. Okay. So we, we move across that when we do our next season recap uh, a year <laughs> yeah. from now. But uh, yeah. there were other places. Players brought in, and uh, Brandon C. uh, shot us a good question. Uh, He said, how well do you think Courtney Lee, a guy we have not really talked about yet, fits with Rose, Mello, Porzingis, and Noah? Now, I know that, Seth, you're pretty high on Courtney Lee, and you like it, but I know that Mike, he's a guy you've always spoken highly of as sort of one of your intangible guys. Yeah, I think— Tell us what he brings to the Knicks. I think he's a—as a fit, it's a really good fit. I think he's always been kind of underrated. I I talked to Steve Clifford in March when kind of working with the Hornets, and— Steve, he was very quick to point out what Courtney Lee had brought to that team, uh, kind of just the intelligence. He was saying that you never have to kind of teach him the stuff that you have to teach even a lot of vets in terms of footwork and closeout technique and spacing, and he loved the guy. I was actually a little surprised the Hornets didn't try to bring him back, even though they had a weird cap situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on this team, you know, you've got four guys who 
will need the ball in their hands a good deal to be most successful. Uh, even Noah, I think, is best as a high post facilitator. And obviously, Porzingis is a chameleon, but you would hope that he's finishing off a lot of these plays. Cornelia is a good fit in terms of he just is really good at sliding into the right spot on the wing so that there's enough space, uh, kind of get, presenting himself as an open player. The only thing I worry about is that at 31, they gave him four years, uh, even though yeah. you know fairly decent value money-wise. It's just four years for a 31-year-old who, you know, for all the things he does well, he's not really known for kind of some of his explosive athleticism or scoring or whatever. I mean, so if that some of that goes whatever is still left goes away i worry about that contract in like 2 years but for this year i think it's a really good fit yeah i i would say about the contract starting from the end is i think you look around the league and there are a lot of contracts like that where <laughs> guy guys got their years this summer um i don't know i think that his sort of lack of an athletic reputation makes me slightly more comfortable with hmm. giving cuz like what does he really have yeah. to lose at this point? Not he really a drop He wasn't off. ever dunking right. on people. So. That's true. But if he loses a little bit, then... Yeah, know, his, his defense... There are two ways to look at that, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, you know you know more about Courtney Lee than I do, but my impression of him is that he's been on like 19 different teams, and in each one of them, he has fit. Yeah. He, he's going to defend his position. He will catch and shoot and hit a perfectly acceptable portion of his open jumpers. Not complain about role, not just not be an issue. Not going to threaten Derrick Rose. Uh, unlike a certain, well, the unlike a certain thing, shooting guard for the Knicks last year who did sort of <laughs> kind of chafe at his well, role a little so, bit. So, yeah, Aaron Aflalo was the Knicks, you know, de facto starting shooting guard last year, and it was a goddamn nightmare. One of my <laughs> least favorite Knicks to watch ever in my entire, you know, 25 years or whatever of watching the Knicks. <laughs> the king of the long two. Right. And, if, and so if you had put... And this isn't really an Aflalo problem, but if you had, say, replaced Aflalo with Courtney Lee, Courtney Lee last year, the Knicks would have tried to make him handle the ball because they didn't have a point guard. Mm-hmm. Whereas this year, it's like, oh, you can, you know, with a, a guard who drives and is very headstrong in rows and a guy who really shouldn't be trying to do too much with the ball in his hands in Lee, like that kind of makes out. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, also, you don't want Rose spotting him off the ball as much because that makes him much more of a liability with his jumper. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you're not really taking the ball out of his hands. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a good fit. And then um, they brought in a backup point guard, too, uh, coming off an Achilles tear, similar mm-hmm. to myself, uh, Brandon Jennings. We actually have a question about that. Sean Ford wants to know, Seth, who do you have, uh, who do you think is going to have a longer uh, career, potential career with the Knicks, Rose or Jennings? So the question here, just for anyone who doesn't know, is because they they both have one year right. packed with the Knicks. Um, if I had to bet, it would be Jennings just because, I mean, if, if Rose has a bad year, then the Knicks won't want him back. If Rose has a, Knicks, has a, <laughs> has a terrific year, then, uh, you know, suddenly you have to pay him. And I don't... So you're rooting for, like, a pretty good year that gets shortened with an injury so the team stay away <laughs> and you get a discount. Yeah, I like No, that. I honestly, <laughs> I think if Rose has a terrific year, I still wouldn't want him back. Fair. That's wow. a personal thing. That would be interesting, uh, though, what the Knicks will do. But, but Jennings, I mean, the price they got him at, I think a lot of people were surprised that he didn't get more money in this point guard market. Yeah, and I think, again, this is, you know, this is reading into the offseason quote sheet, but, like, I think Jennings seems pretty happy and satisfied to be Derrick Rose's backup. Yeah. Uh, well, also because he probably knows that if Derrick Rose gets injured, he's going to immediately – it's probably better than being some other point guard's backup. Certainly. There are layers to that. Uh, he's going to get his minutes because yeah, the Knicks don't really have guards, another point guard. Backup point guards get to come in and do what they kind of feel like, and Jennings loves to just do what he wants to do on the court. Take threes, pull up whenever, use yeah. a screen where there's an obvious role that's open and just shoot it. 
Jennings, I've seen him score 48 points against the Nets like five years ago, whatever it was, four years ago at the Barclays Center. He was unconscious, but every one of the shots he hit was, was a terrible decision. Sure. I no. think I think he yeah. has calmed down. Yeah, yeah. Especially Jennings. since yes. especially since his Achilles. He's tear. not nearly as athletic he, anymore. No, his yeah, last he, season he was really more of a distributor, mm-hmm. like a genuine sort of reserved point, point guard, guard yeah. um, than his reputation might say. Nice. Uh, in Orlando, I think he really didn't play that well. I thought he was actually quite good for Detroit in the limited minutes after mm-hmm. he came back. But no, I mean, great price. Uh, I think he's going to play a lot. It'll be interesting. So you're you're saying neither will stay longer than a year, or you <laughs> think Jennings more likely? I, I would... St- Guess neither, but I would say Jennings is probably okay. more likely. Now, we haven't talked too much yet about Noah. Um, that was a lot of money for Joakim Noah. I think yeah. we both agree. Um, yep. But it's done. What's done is done. Uh, I want to take a question from oh, – hold on. Let me dig it up. Uh, this is from – I mean, we've talked a little bit about this stuff. So this is from Robert Flom, our friend who writes at the Clippers blog. Mm-hmm. Uh how do you think Noah and Chris Sass will fit? Will you see Noah running a lot of elbow action? Uh, and I'll, I'll add a, a, second, a third part to that, and that is, you know, how does Noah help this defense? Because that's in transition to that topic. Yeah. The, the defense part is tough. Robin Lopez was fantastic on defense alongside Przingis last season. They are just – they had a really great sense for each other's space and gravity, and, you know, one of them is protecting the rim, the other, other one's running out on the ball – Obviously, the Knicks weren't a good defensive team because of that, so they couldn't have been that good. But I mean, they're um, still pretty. They're average, and I think they they tailed off by the I mean, end of the year. Honestly, right? you tell me. I know it. Like I, he was not a helpful defender last season, but he also couldn't raise his arm. Arms, his yeah. I actually so, thought that his defense was actually fine. He just like totally lost it offensively. He just yeah, cannot I mean, he finish hit a, a layup. layup. But again, he had like a torn sh- shoulder. Like yeah, but he so. wasn't that great the year before either. I mean, right. in the playoffs, the Bucks were basically guarding with Jared Dudley. Right, and so. <laughs> The thing he does have going for him and did not lose at all last year is that he can pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can pass so well. And that really can't hurt Chris Stapps. That was, you know, I thought, I, I don't know why I'm constantly talking about Robin Lopez, but I thought <laughs> Lopez's <laughs> offensive presence was severely underrated. He's a terrific screener. He's just smart at moving in space, um, but not anything special as a passer. And Noah really is uh, like having an additional point guard in the middle of the floor. Um, and very smart at extra passes. And Kristaps is already extremely good at getting himself open. And so having another presence like that on the floor, who I mm-hmm. think is very eager to help feed him the ball, will help a lot. Um, I'm more worried about defense than I am offense. That's interesting because a lot of people have asked us, and I got this question from multiple people, that you know, are the Knicks going to be top ten defense next year? With is from, from Jacobo Pellegrini asked this. Uh, Manuel Almanzar asked this. Like, so are they potentially going to push top ten defense now? That they have no well, kind of. They were middle of the road last year. They yeah. were like seventeen or eighteen. And now I they have efficiency last year. And I think if anything is going to propel them into the top half of the league or top ten, mm-hmm. which I would know the answer to the question is no. I would not put money on that. But if anything, it's just because their hopefully their backcourt isn't a complete gaping hole oh, yeah. this year. Mm-hmm. Is that just? You know, Chris Tapps at all don't have to do as much work of just cleaning up after this absolute sieve of a defense. And Rose is not a good defender. Lee is certainly, you know, at least average. But again, last year it was Jose Calderon and Aaron Aflalo, who are honestly two of the worst defenders to ever put on. What a happened before. to Aflalo? Uh, he used to be pretty good at that, and just I think yeah. he believed his hype a little no, bit. No, I mean that dude uh, was 
awful at defense. He, he thinks of himself in a place and space in the NBA that he's not. He thinks he's in. really yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Right. But exactly. that's just an aside. Yeah. I mean, uh, so we've, we've got a lot of, by the way, we should say thank you to everybody listening. we got a lot of great questions today. I know that Seth brings his own fan base with him. Um, <laughs> so maybe we lose some of you, but maybe some of you keep listening. But we appreciate all the all the great questions, not just from uh, coworkers of ours who are Knicks fans, but the, the larger uh, Twitter world as, as a whole. This is a good one because it's funny, uh, and I like it. Uh, and this is from Matt Gibson. Uh, who will be threatened the most by the KP Hernan Gomez bromance? Let's just say question. who Hernan Gomez is first. Oh, yeah, right. go ahead. So, Talk about uh, your next uh, import. Guillermo here. Billy Hernan Gomez <laughs> is a guy that the Knicks drafted uh, last year. They acquired him in a trade with the Sixers. Sixers, yeah. Second rounder. Yep. Um, he is from Spain. He played in Sevilla with Chris Dabbs. That's right. And they are friends. Uh, he's a couple years older, but it's still very young. He's 23 or 24. Yeah, not to be confused with the other with Hernan Gomez. Juancho, Juancho Gomez, Gomez, who's yeah. on the Nuggets. Yeah, no. um, that's his little brother. <laughs> um, and so he's coming over to the Knicks now. You know, he's he's a big guy. He's like 6'10". He's sort of uh, he's a he's a talented offensive player. Got very soft hands. Good in the pick and roll. Um, struggles defensively. Not particularly bouncy. Um, Do you think Kusamingas Kusamingas could step into that and and break up that, that bunch? as well? Yeah. So talk. Tell oh, us another a guy bit about with ACB experience. Yep. The Knicks have a bunch. So the Knicks, Kevin Wilson, the next top European scout, lives in Spain, and so uh, the Knicks now have five guys on their roster who have played in <laughs> Spain. Wow. Yeah. But Second I'm including Sasha Vujicic. I'm yeah. including Sasha Vujicic. So it's really four recently. Okay. Oh, that's right. He's still on the team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to actually answer the question, yes. uh, I'm trying to think of who Chris Stapps closest. Nick's buddy was last year. It was probably Sasha Vujicic, honestly, who I think... Really? As someone who, you know, they don't come from the same part of the world, really, but, like, they you know, have had similar paths to the NBA. They're, yeah, they're both from Europe. And I think Sasha, I think part of the reason he's still on the team is that um, was very willing and eager to take sort of a welcome to America, this is how it is when you're not from here, mentorship role. Here's how you can start to date, like, really attractive (laughs) tennis players. (laughs) Um, So I'm not worried about – honestly, I'm most worried about myself and that Chris Stapps is not going to spend as much time thinking about me because really Hernan Gomez is here. But you just have to double down and think extra uh, about him. Is that now it's sort of a triangle? Well, no, I think now you have to sort of – play hard to get kind of you know yeah. give Nicole's shoulder a little bit be a little and, coy yeah yeah, um, yeah I, I get what you're getting at though and what has been gotten at in general is that the Knicks have a bunch of dudes who with no NBA experience who are not um, not newbies to sure. professional basketball but are coming over from overseas yeah. so it's well, it's an interesting bench this year in that it, regard it's going to be important because first of all the starters you have a point guard and a center with injury mm-hmm. histories and you know also I mean just scanning over some of the names it's not there are not a lot of guys that I think NBA fans are necessarily familiar with. I no. mean, you have Lance Thomas, who's a really important bench player. That it's it's a good thing they kept him. He's, yes. You need him in order to play any small lineups, and he's still there. And let's, that's, let's talk about this as a whole. Before we got on the podcast, Mike, you said one of the things you were a little concerned about with the Knicks was depth. Yeah, I, I, so let's talk about their bench. I'm I'm worried about how little they have there. I mean, the, with Kuznetsovic, um, oh, Mindaugas, wow, Kuzminskis, and Kuzminskis, excuse me. Um, he's obviously replacing Derek Williams's role. It's probably uh, at least a wash. I mean, you think oh, he's yeah. going to be better? It can't be worse. Um, you and think he's physically ready to play in the league? Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, I, like, I've only watched him play twice, yeah. but uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, he's he's not like 
great. Well, he's, he's basically not what play a lot. his, right, his right, game right. is very kind of uh, international. Derek Williamsy, right? And he's kind yeah, of he really, he's That's a really accurate, he's fairly yeah. athletic. He's sort of a three slash forward kind of between positions, but yeah. not very good Bad defensively. Defender. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a Derek Williams. I mean, hopefully he's a little has a higher basketball IQ, um, but he does. You know that. Very similar games. They don't have Langston Gallery anymore, which I thought was a mistake. I think they should have tried yeah. to keep him, uh, given the price tag he went to New Orleans. They instead, Justin Holliday's their backup shooting guard. Hasn't really proven a lot in the league. They still have Kylo Quinn, who had a rough first year in New York, but has had years where he has been better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they still, I mean, they have some other guys that you are high on sort of camp invites, guys that maybe, but that's still not a lot of cover, I think, experience cover. Obviously, they have Jennings. It's not a lot of experience cover, I think, for a starting lineup that is a little fragile in terms of injuries. I, yeah, think. I, th- I think that's fair. I think um, it's easy. I th- well, a few things. I think it's easier to feel that way because it's a, a lot of new guys, new to the NBA, not just to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I Brand- Jennings is probably the only sure thing on the bench where it's like you you know what you're getting from Brandon Jennings. Um, Lance Thomas is probably next on that list, and that at at his worst, like he'll he'll be fine. He, he can defend. Um, he's not going to kill you on offense. I think the sort of the uncertainty there is more leaning toward the positive is like, is he actually a really good shooter? Because he was last year. and For if, a bit, and then he got hurt. Well, and then he got hurt. But, he, you know, he played 50 or 60 games and yeah. I thought went, it was went really... from being a non-shooter to like a good very yeah. good and productive, like a guy who shot the ball. He wasn't just a, yeah. an efficient, low-usage shooter. He actually shot a ton of threes. I thought more teams them. should have been in on him. I thought the I, surprise I that so the too, Knicks were able I'm to keep him. glad they weren't. So if he is you know, defending wings like he was last year and shooting like he was last year, then you have like a you know, a a, an, a very good player. A contending level six man. Like this is a, a good and real six man. Sure. Um, the rest of the bench is it's a lot of uncertainty. Um, like you said, Kylo Quinn is sort of the next guy on that list where he had a very bad year last year. His minutes were all over the place. I mean, he was in a weird place where the Knicks signed him. His father had died over the summer. He came into camp a little bit out of shape. Seraphin, for some reason, got uh, Fisher's attention more, more than O'Quinn did. So O'Quinn would go, you know, 10 games without playing at all. Hopefully he's in better better shape this year. Hopefully he's in a better, you know, sort of head space and the guy's not going to be great but ideally he can come in and play 10 minutes and mm-hmm. you know not pick up six fouls yeah it's not it's not like kind of you look at a rotation and you say well these guys can fit in a rotation the thing i just worry about is if there's an injury you know yeah. these guys have to yeah. play extended minutes right. that would worry me and then i guess the, when you look at the guys who came over from overseas the one that we haven't mentioned is the one I'm most excited about who sort of came out of the blue is Maurice Endor, who played in summer league with the Knicks last year. Um, he He's from, I believe, Senegal? Senegal. Senegal. Went to Ohio. Yeah, went to the University of Ohio. Of Ohio uh, played in summer league with the Knicks last year. Um, they The Mavs ended up giving him guaranteed money, and so he went there, but then he hurt himself at training camp, so they cut him. He played for, I think, Barcelona last year. And he's a really good athlete, right? He is six nine, two hundred athlete, a yeah. basketball player. Yeah, yeah. He's like six eight, six nine. He kind of plays a little smaller than that. Thin he, though. Yeah, he's yeah. thin. What, he, what is he like? He likes wise? to shoot. He's like a three or a four. He's actually not unlike Lance Thomas in sort of okay. habitus and movement. You think he has a rotation spot? I, if he makes it, I think of the three new guys uh, from you know who were playing in Spain last sure. year. Him, 
Hernan Gomez and uh, Kuzminskis. I think he has the likeliest rotation spot, <laughs> if only because you know the Knicks have known him a little longer sure. and better. Um, and I, I happen to think he's the the best player of those three. Interesting. I also do think that the Knicks might have a genuine bench guard between Ron Baker and Jason Randall, that one one of those guys that they're bringing to camp is an actual basketball player, but that's the kind of thing that only a person who watched Summer League and cares about this shit would think. Well, so, yeah, look, Ron, Ron Baker has some brand, uh, you know, cachet. People know him from Wichita. He's man. played against some great guards in the five or ten years he played at Wichita. Um, but <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Jason also went against some really good guards in the Pac-12. He could play. Baller. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, but they it's just not different. Yet. Yeah, no, exactly. they haven't proven anything, and it, I'm going off the summer league, but sure, sure. it's not like totally outlandish to say maybe one of those guys could be as good as Langston Galloway was last year because right. Langston Galloway that's, that's had a bad year. Perhaps. Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I, I am higher on Langston Galloway than you are. I think he's a useful player. Uh, uh, and I'm, you know, I, a year ago I was very high on Langston Galloway, and then he kind of... Yeah, that's true. Didn't improve. That's okay true. with letting him walk? That's true. I, no, I, I wish the Knicks kept Langs Galloway, so we're clear. I yeah. think he's fine and good and a good rotation player. So uh, we should say Seth is an authority on a lot of things, not just uh, the Knicks. Some of our <laughs> questions were catered towards towards other things. Um, yeah. I guess you're sort of a pop culture uh, icon these days, too. Uh, probably from being on... Uh, <laughs> he, he has the like, strangest look, of, like, look when you said pop probably, culture uh, icon. Probably from the Things I Know show. Um, but again, we keep pitching that. We can keep... Uh, <laughs> Popping that out there, but uh, so uh, Ryan Nanny had a question for you. So, what is the best name for a dog? Should we any dog or like kind of if you're a Knicks fan, what should you name your dog? Ooh, why don't you give us the Same best answer. name for a dog? The best name for a dog is Sharon. <laughs> why? It's a great name. Two R's. Yeah, no, one R. Well, oh, wait, wait, but right. what's the, wait? I don't understand. What's what's the logic? Why? Why it's Sharon? Great. It's a great do, name. do you even have to, Mike? Do you have a best name for a dog? I don't have a dog, so okay, I'm not okay. like great. That's um, why. Well, I, to be fair, I have for, a dog. My dog's name is Trudy. So <laughs> I didn't give her the idea, but if you looked at my dog, you would know that that's the right. Nice. Name. So what? Why should Knicks fans name their dog Sharon? Just because because Knicks name? fans are people. Like yeah, yeah. Sure enough, sure enough. They shouldn't limit themselves. Okay. Uh, right. Bill Bill Barnwell here asks, "What is the second best name uh, for a dog?" Second best name for a dog after Sharon. Uh, he only thought of one. <laughs> you well, got it with Congratulations, Bill Barnwell. You, you have stumped Seth. You have this asked the hard deep. question. <laughs> <laughs> the second best name for a dog is Lewis. 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 Okay. I like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I like former uh, Knicks great Quincy Lewis? Was he on the Knicks? No. Okay. Not. <laughs> I don't even know who Quincy Lewis is. Yeah, who's Quincy um, Lewis? Played for Minnesota. He was drafted like 2000. Uh, maybe he wasn't on the Knicks. When Mike was on Wait, things I know, on. he did NBA up. basketball in the 90s, for, Lewis, for the record. Quincy Lewis. I, I like when you give dogs animal names. I think that's that's fun. Okay. I, my dog's name's Talia. Wow. Well, you, well, they are beautiful. animals, so they yeah. Quincy Lewis is a real NBA player. I have never heard of this person. <laughs> How old is he? Who's is Quincy Lewis? Quincy Lewis, Lewis is uh, last played for I thought he played Bilbao for the Basket. No, he was on the Jazz for three years. Wow. Okay. Between well, 99 and 2002, and he played, I don't know one why year, it, played one year with the Wolves. Okay. Oh, okay. Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know why I thought of that. Anyway. <sighs> okay, let's get to the... Go, wait, how but, did Quincy Lewis completely <laughs> escape me? He was the 19th pick in 1999. Yeah. I, think, I think Quincy's a good name for a dog. Great yeah. name for a dog. Yeah, good name. Mm-hmm. So, I actually have known a dog named Quincy. Really? Terrific dog. Nice. Good dog. Okay. Good dog. Good dog. No, right, this cool. is actually interesting. I want to know this because I'm trying to convince my wife that we need to get a dog when we move. And well, if you already have a name, well, you don't need the best name. You need the right name. This is this is the uh, okay. A that's a no. That's a very good take point. I have, okay. which is that 
You should not think, I'm going to get a dog. Here's when I'm going to name the dog. You should think, I'm going to get a dog and then get a dog. And then you look at the dog and get to know it. And then you name the dog. Mm-hmm. I also think this is how children should work. I yep. don't think you should name your child until like a month in. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Really? So what do you call them for how a month? You... It doesn't matter. They don't pay attention. No, I know. But like, like when you you're talking it, about your baby. baby. It's <laughs> baby. It's not like you need to address the child. Be like, yo, uh, you know, Ben, the baby. Yeah. It's not going to look at you. Yeah. No, but like if you're talking about your baby with friends, you just say like, baby. you're my baby, just call baby. baby. So, like, you well, just did the... baby did the craziest shit today. Yeah, just yeah. call it baby. Okay. I think there's a John Irving book where they call the kid Egg. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that too. I like um, I like that uh, three guys without children. We could just like talk about kids like it's. Oh, an I it. know best. Like, Seth did the it thing when whenever it. only people without children call babies its. So <laughs> I think we, if I had a child, I would still call it. So once it. you get it, then you can decide huh. a couple okay. months in what it's called. Well, um, you know that you need you know that babies have to have certain at least in our faith you have to have name it after there's a certain letter you have to use yeah. for for like a was a dead relative so, yeah i believe that's how it goes so already you're I, I sort of narrowing that. Didn't know that. <laughs> Seth has no idea what he's named after. Uh, ah. You're a different sect of our religion, I guess. Yeah, that doesn't follow yeah. that. I think I you I was just named after my mom's friend who <laughs> he liked basketball. Yeah. Well, fact about Seth, my namesake. Really? <laughs> so, was did your parents like sort of brainwash you with basketball growing up to make sure you also like basketball to kind of follow in no. Seth? I mean, it if we're going down this road, no, they definitely did the opposite of that. Interesting. Oh, reverse <laughs> psychology, I see. Uh, maybe. Yeah, it worked out. You're a basketball guy. The uh, the one guy, uh, to transition back to... Uh, well, let's see how this segue is. The Knickerbockers. The the one guy who would probably make a good dog name if you're a Knicks fan. I don't know. Mello. Could be a fat dog. Could be a, a weird-looking dog. I don't know. Uh, Carmelo, <laughs> Anthony here. Um, he's playing basketball this summer. Real basketball. The b- basketball that he has uh, said... Uh, whether he means it or not, or I think he was pretty articulate about it, is extremely important to him. Olympic yeah. basketball. Leading scorer in U.S. Olympic basketball history now. Um, how do Knicks fans view Carmelo right now? Not just after his comments, uh, which either take him for what they're worth, face value. I don't think he necessarily meant Olympic basketball means more to me than Knicks no, basketball. No, he didn't say that. And I, don't like, I, don't, that yeah. I don't like putting those words in his mouth. But what do Knicks fans feel currently about the state of their best player, their, their pillar of their team, Carmelo Anthony? Well, on definitely the biggest you know, individual topic that mm-hmm. Knicks fans consider, I will definitely not speak for all Knicks fans. Okay. Um, there are certainly a number of people who think he's a selfish ball hub, prima donna, you know, piece of shit, and that they should have traded him the <laughs> day they traded for him. Um, and that, you know, they should be pushing him to waive his no trade clause and all that shit. I don't feel that way. I've never felt that way. I think he's fine. I think he uh, he had a pretty good year last year in spite of things. He improved as a basketball player last year. That doesn't yeah, usually I mean, happen at 30. Yeah. I, I Adding skills. I think that's the case. Or, or just sort of, uh, you know, brandishing skills that he already had in a more useful yeah. way. Focusing on things um, like defense. I'm I'm optimistic about this season because, you know, last year he was coming off, off of surgery and was was mostly fine. I, I think um, a variable there is that the Knicks have tightened up their medical staff and their medical practices a little bit and hmm. have sort of moved into present day in terms of giving a guy a rest day, letting a guy skip practice. And, sure. You know, Mello really, they got a full season out of Mello last year, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes me optimistic. And also just he has traditionally, what is this, his fourth Olympics? Yeah. yeah. Four, yeah. eight, 12? Yeah. yeah. He's had his best years after each of those Olympics. You know, the the next very awesome 2012-2013 season was also, I think, 
Melo's best year as a Nick, and that was immediately following an Olympics run. Is there I don't a know if that's related like a, a mentality bounce, a leadership bounce, or a, a, a way of doing things bounce that he's getting from the Olympics? Well, you know, I can only speak for one Olympics yeah. as someone who, sure, who sure. only watched him closely after one Olympics. I think. Obviously, a lot of that had to do with the team that he was on, and like he was playing with Jason Kidd for a season. And yeah. it, was, it was very different, and it, it'll be very different this year. But, um, you know, the, the USA team uses him like sort of a stretch four. He's catching and shooting a lot, um, and I, he just gets in more of a rhythm and less of a pounding the ball into the floor. Yeah. I will say that this year's USA team has not been quite like that. You know, I think they're still <laughs> using him in smaller lineups, but yeah. the way they play basketball, Mello included, has been fucking hideous okay, man. <laughs> um, yeah. but I do think that just it, it keeps him in shape all summer it it feels good to you know play basketball on sort of an easy setting sure or maybe we'll put that at like a medium setting right. the way this yeah, I was yeah. going to say but, I don't know if it's so uh, easy but like anymore. the controller's kind of broken so it's harder but I, I think you know he takes a lot of pride and pleasure in that which is mm-hmm. you know more power to him and I just think it brings him into the season feeling feeling good um, and I think he feels good about the moves that the team has made with him in mind, right, I think, right. this year. And so he should. He's healthy. He had a good year last year, you know, when maybe he might not have. And so I feel good about Melo. I feel as good as I ever have. How do you think Knicks fans are taking sort of his summer of social consciousness and um, all the stuff that he's been doing? Yeah, I would uh, say all it's, that. A, it's a year. It's a year and a half yeah. running of social consciousness. Yeah. I wrote about this, you know, his uh, – remember the uh, glazed donut face ass tweet? Yes. So yes. that was December <laughs> – thir- I, I remember very distinctly. It was December 31st. It was New Year's Eve 2014 was that tweet. And I uh, – at the end of 2015, last year, I was thinking, oh, it's the one-year anniversary of that. And then I realized, wow, he's had a very different year. Because Melo's um, sort of public persona in non-interview settings, sort of the, the things he did himself, um, up until that point had always been sort of super branded, you know, uh, whatever, watches. endorsement stuff, watches and, and yeah. digital. And, and he still does plenty of that. He has a deal with, like, Ninja Turtles. Um, <laughs> but he it's has... Awesome. You have to have a hard shell. And that's not to York. say that he was not a... Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that's not to say he was not a thoughtful, charitable person. He was actually one of the most charitable athletes on Earth, yeah. uh, measurably, um, and has been for a while. But for some reason in 2015, he decided, you know what, I'm going to start speaking out. He was, you know, he marched in the Freddie Gray protests. He... He has this ongoing uh, video series with Vice, and he decided to take them to Rikers Island and talk mm. to inmates. And like, he did, he's really stuck his neck out in ways that he was at a favela. Well, a favela yeah, and in so re- yeah, that recently he's been at a favela in Brazil um, for that same Vice series. And I think like you were getting at um, after some of the police shootings that have taken place, he's gone out on his own and then you know un unbranded, un sort of filtered kind of yeah. way and and written things. Well, that's that's he real wrote a, he wrote a Guardian editorial. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, how did, did he really? A guard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did see that. Yeah. So, I mean, he's done some Instagram posts and he, like, do, wrote an article. Do you think any yeah. of this, like, convinces that my, that the group of Knicks fans you talked about earlier were just, just like, they just see him as, you know, we got to get him out of here. He has underachieved. And do you think any of this is sort of affecting his standing uh, to un- universally the Knicks fans? It must. I mean, I'm sure there's a subset of people who, you know, the, the, st- the stick to sports crowd who are yeah. annoyed by it. Um, I can speak again only for myself and for my the people who comment and posting and toasting yeah. whose, whose opinions I see and like people on Twitter. But I think there's been a 
a genuinely positive agreed response and I, I think as much as his off-court persona is married to the perception of him on the floor um, I think it was easier to sort of buy into like this guy is a selfish asshole when he wasn't the act- only ever off-court interaction one would have with him is you know other either quotes he was giving the media or just him tweeting like you know yeah, n- right. Jordan Brand shit well, yeah it he, does it does feel like he's he's acting like more of a person a person in, in yes yeah. we have a better situation. sense of I think who he is and you know th- again this is a persona that he has chosen it's not a hundred percent you know you the three of us on Twitter is not a perfect representation yeah. also of who this we isn't are. necessarily maybe him him but he just he seems more authentic I think and I look say what you want about New York and I've only been here a little bit but I think New Yorkers like authenticity more than anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that makes it, that will make a big uh, difference look, in his he, legacy. Part of his initial branding of his personality was shaped around his where he was from in Baltimore, the the don't snitch stuff. <laughs> that that is youthful, you know, immaturities that that happen. It happens to a lot of NBA players, it happens to a lot of professional athletes in general. Um and and that doesn't necessarily mean that's who you are. I mean, we've talked about this a number of times on this podcast. But if you are labeled the rest of your life who you are when you are 20, 21, 22, that is not fair. That is not a no, fair shake. We would all be we'd worse be, for that. We'd be screwed. We wouldn't be employed. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, it's a guy like you know Carmelo who was uh, in the limelight at Oak Hill, in the, the biggest spotlight at Syracuse and successful there. So it's one of those, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Here's your college campus keys, if you will. And then from there, he went into the NBA where it was, you know, he was running the show in Denver. That was his operation. Uh, and then and to go to a place like New York to mature, to grow as a person, et cetera. And then at what, he's a little over 30 years old. Like like somehow he's not like 90 who's like, hey, that old man turned around his his bad opinions on things. It's like, no, he's, he's 30. He's probably more culturally uh, sensitive and aware now just because of who and where he is than he ever was when he was a kid so or, or a young you know a young adult and so i give him that benefit of the doubt i love as a you know a, a neutral fan a fan of the nba a fan of sports when people use their podium and are articulate with it it's mm-hmm. one thing to have an opinion it's nothing to say why mm-hmm. and he's been really strong about choosing the right words i didn't know he wrote a piece for the guardian that's phenomenal yeah. i mean yeah yeah, I mean, this is all much more important than basketball. Sure, um, but sure. the the reason, one of the reasons I bring it up is sort of in the context of where the Knicks are going yeah. and kind of their future, and there's sort of the criticism is that they're caught between two: the mellow yeah. timeline and the Porzingis timeline. And so I think that's where I think a lot of the hate comes from, by the way. I think so too, and that's why I'm kind of curious to see if some of this stuff maybe affects Knicks' perceptions. Hmm. But um, that's it's going to be an interesting little storyline. So we've come to the moment of truth. Do we think this is a playoff team? Where do we think this ranks? Yeah, I think the Knicks are. A playoff you think they're a playoff team? team? And I. I, you know, I think I think they're winning more than forty games. That's all okay. I can that say. That would be an eight, seven, more eight than seed? an eight win improvement. Sorry. Seven eight seed, six sure. seven eight seed. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, do we think uh, you know, say you win forty two games, is that good for a seven or eight? Probably. I mean, forty one and forty one missed the playoffs last year. In yeah, the East was stronger, uh, yeah. and that would be also a ten win improvement. Which you know, maybe they get there. I'm just saying, it's a ten win improvement. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I'm leaning. I, I like the starting lineup on paper. If they are reasonably healthy, I think they make it. But I, I fear that if they have an injury or two, then they're really going to get sunk because I think mm-hmm. they're not that deep. So I have them missing, just missing. Um, mm. But I think they will be, when they have their whole team together, they will be playoff caliber. I just think that when they're missing a piece, that when they inevitably will, that will be a real yeah. struggle for mm-hmm. them and that will knock them out. So I think they're going to make the playoffs also. I think they'll they'll probably fall in that, again, six, seven, eight range, similar to what Seth just said. Um 
if only for the reasons that I can't really say that I know that Detroit or Indiana or Washington or any of these teams that have been chomping at the bit in similar middling range with the Knicks are going to be any better than mm-hmm. the Knicks. Um, throw the Bulls in there. You can right. Milwaukee will be better next year. Orlando will hopefully be better at some point. There's a big middle part of the NBA right now. We talked about this in the Denver podcast. The West has a huge middle. The East has that same thing. I think that actually benefits a team like the Knicks, who probably has a little bit more to fight for, understanding there could be a, poss- a possible regime switch, you know, the, the post or pre-mellow, or I'm sorry, post-mellow into Porzingis era. But also, you mentioned these one-year contracts. That's a lot of incentive to play basketball. Yeah. To, if you have a little injury, to play through it. It is, but it can also be an incentive to not play together. That's true, we'll say That's what happened, I think, to the Wizards last year. They had yeah. a lot of guys who were sort of trying to get their own... Uh, kind of status mm-hmm. and they had I don't think the Knicks have as many one year guys as I mean we're really talking about right. what like Rose and Jennings right. basically yeah, that's I true. Mean, but they are both important players but the yeah. point, I mean the point guard but I think position. even you know irrespective of contract it is I would lean toward the temperament of the guys on the team being a being a benefit that it's mm-hmm. guys who know each other and are excited to be playing with each other and not sort of suspicious of each other sure um, and guys who are sort of pissed off and have something to prove whether or not they have one year to do it. Absolutely. I mean, look, Noah is a hyper-competitive guy, always has been. He and just had such an embarrassing season. Awful. I mean, awful. He, he, what, he shot uh, 40, under 40% from around the basket last yeah, year? Yeah, his, his game has really uh, fallen I mean, off in that sense in the last couple of years. And you're right, he will be eager to prove himself. Sure. I mean, even Jeff Hornacek, given the way things ended in Phoenix, right. yep. will have a lot to prove. So I it'll, it'll be very interesting for this one Jeff reason. Jeff Hornacek got boned. Yeah, Phoenix. horribly, by one horrible ownership group, and then he has to come play for... For Dolan, I mean, he's yeah. he's he's getting a taste of the worst of the NBA ownership <laughs> yeah. world. But um, all right, so we have our our, our somewhat of our uh, predictions there for record and where where they're going to fall. What specifically is Seth, the New York yeah. Knicks basketball fan, looking for this year? What do you, what do you, what makes you excited from an individual like? Uh, we talked about big picture stuff. Right. Tell me some small stuff that fans might be not as aware of that you are excited for. Well, this isn't small and unaware, but Kay. like. Kristaps Porzingis sure. is one of the best things to happen to any Knicks fan who's my <laughs> age. Um, and so I think everyone is somewhere between sort of antsy and nervous <laughs> and, you know, just waiting for, sure. for him to start. Um, but that that's the biggest storyline. It's easy to forget because so much has changed. With The, the coaching thing was a huge storyline and mm-hmm. now Rose and Noah. And, but, like, the Knicks might have a superstar on their team who's 21 years old. Just and that's really exciting. And honestly, like every time I get down about anything the Knicks have done, that's what keeps me going. And, <laughs> um, you know, I am sort of conditioned at this point to like fear the worst at all times, but it's it's hard. You know, you just throw on like a, you know, a highlight clip of yeah. Stabs and it's like, why am I ever afraid of it? Yeah. It's that beaming smile Man, too. the positivity. When I moved <laughs> to New York uh, six years ago, uh, it was in a weird kind of middle ground. Then they had a very good season in 2012-2013 and, and then it's been a, a crash so now this it, up ramp again is, is kind yeah. of fun to be around this it's team, good when basketball is good in New York this team feels not in uh, practical sort of tactical composition but in the th- this team feels like that 2012-2013 team where it's not really built to last I don't think these parts are going to be around a while Rose is on mm-hmm. a one year deal Noah's old you know, uh, Mellow's you know Mello only has a couple years left on his deal um, and I do think it is a bit of an in-between window where it's like Chris Tapps isn't probably ready to have a whole team to himself. He's not sure. near his peak yet. Mello is a little bit past that point. And so I guess where I'm at with the moves that they've had 
is fuck it. Try to win some games. Try to win a playoff series or two. Yeah. You know, the Knicks are not going to win a championship. Right. You know, in the next <laughs> couple year. in the next couple of years, yeah. and that's fine. Um, they've sucked for a couple for three years straight. I don't want to suck anymore. Just, uh, you know, I, that, I, I think, well, you know, <laughs> but I think uh, Sixers fans, uh, a lot of them maybe feel the opposite where it's like, I, you know, I'd rather suck every single year yeah. if it means that the championship's coming. Yeah, we, we got to sucking, our franchises <laughs> got to sucking in totally different right. ways, right? Yours the happened Knicks through trying to be in the middle and <laughs> yeah. ours happened by deliberately trying to be bad yeah. and then getting stuck there. I would say the Knicks genuinely tanked one season. Yeah. Um, and since then, it's just been garbage. Uh, or, or on either side of that, it's been garbage. And now I just, you know, I, I'm okay with the fact that they're not going to contend this year. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to see some playoffs. I just want to have fun. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I agree. They'll be hopefully, the only show in town too. Yeah. And that's it'll, it'll be nice to be. see some postseason here, and hopefully yeah. they stay healthy. I, I just, I just worry about the depth. Sure. Just, I, I worry about that. There are there are plenty of things that could go wrong that could prevent them from doing that. I think it's reasonable to set that as a goal, though, where it probably wasn't last year, and. You know, I don't think it hurts Chris Dabbs to play with a bunch of, like, fun and interesting and good personality veterans and, you know, play in the playoffs before he and the team are ready to, like, be the best at it. I don't – this is something that I think Phil Jackson Not a building block guy? No, I, I am a building block guy, but, like, they didn't have a draft pick. Yeah, so, yeah. What, you know, they're not – Anyone they're going to sign so, right now. So you're, saying, <laughs> so you're saying that you, the common criticism that they have to pick, they aren't picking any direction. They're sort of straddling two lines. Yeah, it's whatever. sort of a silly yeah, thing it, in your mind. They, there is certainly, they could just, they could have emptied out. I mean, they can't really trade Melo unless he wants to get traded, first of all. But they could have just completely emptied out, spent no money, tanked the season, got themselves another first rounder. They could do that. And I guess what I'm saying is, as a fan, this is not an, uh, you know, an objective mm-hmm thinking only about wins and championships thing as a fan no fuck that like i, I just don't I'm, you did that one year yeah i'm maybe you can't rebuild in new york you know i want to see them win some games i'm yeah. i'm tired of that shit uh, maybe, it's always up yeah, in the air yeah maybe it's really true that you can't w- rebuild new york well i, I would say they they already did the demolition necessary to rebuild in new york <laughs> and now yeah i don't i don't mind spinning wheels a little bit and sometimes you need to renovate later. like an old arena uh, you know, simultaneously to the playing. It's and almost think, like MSG's a metaphor yeah, for I just, I just worry four years from Noah, four years for Neely. Uh, a lot of yeah, time left on these big money those deals. Those are long deals. Mike has given us the, the shitty flip side of every single team we've previewed. So, Well, the well we did start from the bottom, didn't we? <laughs> no, we, yeah, we certainly did. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for the, you know you, did, you to do the Warriors podcast. It's like, uh, I don't know. You know, Kevin me. Durant could get hurt. Well, wait. Yeah. Just, just wait. He's, he's very thin. I I, I'm uh, preparing the ways this could go wrong. Did you see how much he lifted at the combine? It wasn't a lot. I'm just I don't saying. Know if this guy's I mean, have you guys seen how Bogut's been playing? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to miss him. All right, we'll, we'll end with one uh, last uh, non-sequitur question here. Uh, Phil Ken Saban asks, I'll ask both of you this. Uh, have you had the new Crystal Pepsi? No. No, I did not know there was a new Crystal Pepsi. But I'm a fan of them relaunching something that is near and dear to uh, to my 90s upbringing. Didn't well, they relaunch the whole Coke? Or did they not do that? I think you can get any I types of like... that's been around. Yeah, yeah. like the okay. flavors. Because they have those machines that you can get like yeah. Coke as the base and is, then you you know drop in your flavors. What is Crystal Pepsi? It's just it's clear Pepsi. I think it's clear it, Pepsi. It's otherwise yeah. identical. Yeah. Well, let, let me look it up real it's quick. It's probably just talking. like missing one yeah. like yellow-brown 50 or something <laughs> like 19, that. Yeah. <laughs> just like not um, polluting. I haven't yet. had it yet. I, I don't think I will. Okay. So, oh. Oh, so it, used to, it used to be called Pepsi Clear? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, then the Scientology was like, nah, we're, we're going to take that naming convention. It just looks like water. 
Mm. Yeah, I'm just I mean, disappointed that it's not water. It's water with like sucrose. Yeah, well, and yeah. caffeine, yeah. obviously, and all the other good things. So yeah. uh, the answer here is no. None of us have tried the. Uh, the which new uh, which Pepsi. Knicks player do you think would most benefit from having a, sh- a little bit of Crystal Pepsi before game? <laughs> Uh, who's the sleepiest Knicks player? <laughs> sleepiest Knicks. Well, they they lost their two sleepiest players, who were Galloway, who didn't play like he was sleepy, but always looked yeah, like sleepy, and Aaron Aflalo, who looks like he fucking rolled out of bed yeah. to play basketball. He probably did. Uh, I, I don't know. I will just no, say no Aaron Aflalo took all the uh, all well, the definitely clear not, with him. Definitely not Sasha Vujicic. <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> we know who it would. It's a night Would out. not benefit. Yeah, but uh, right, cool. This was uh, this is a lot of fun. We're always always nice to be able to get uh, Seth in, into the studio here with Mike and I. We don't even get to record in the studio that often, so yeah. it's. I'm always it's happy fun. to come in. I feel like every time I've been on the show, and maybe this is just true of any fan in the offseason, but every time I've come to your podcast, we've been asking questions, and I've just been like, "Well, we'll see." <laughs> It depends. Wow. No, I don't know. This Man. is this is why we're on a podcast and not a radio show. Yeah, yeah. radio, you can't say we'll see. Yeah, it's not allowed. Yeah, because then like Dave from the Bronx that. calls up and he's like, "Yo, what's up with these terrible answers? These are the worst." <laughs> you know. Anyhow, we but have to have a section of your impressions. Now. Just me doing all different Northeast <laughs> or regional uh, accents. Yeah, but we'll do that someday. We'll have Boston coming up soon. We already did Philly. True. I yeah. wasn't allowed to do my Philadelphia accent uh, with uh, the, the video that I shot here. It would have been. Apparently, it was spoken down to people in Philadelphia, where I'm from, so it's okay. But uh, nonetheless, we'll do accents another time. Mike is an impression uh, wizard, if, uh, if anyone uh, didn't know that. <laughs> Not really. I'm just kidding. It's tone deaf. Um, so anyhow, uh, we, we have a bunch of uh, more team previews to get to. Uh, this was obviously just our next one. We had Seth Rosenthal of SB Nation NBA. Now, just SB Nation at large. Uh, I guess you do writing for pretty much everything, every sport. Most sports, yeah. dogs, he's, he's basketball. He's now just the official and stuff. I know it's his, yeah. that's his only just, job. Just, I wish that was my Look for job. him refereeing <laughs> next Wednesday with uh, Dan Rubenstein on stuff I know. Um, also, continue to read posting and toasting. I mean, the architect of, not the, the current uh, you know, president, if you will, but the architect of um, posting and toasting, one of our most popular um, SB Nation communities and truly a, a strong community of people who have uh, good thoughts on basketball, even when they don't want to articulate them. Uh, like Seth here, who gave you all these non-committal answers uh, to, <laughs> to, to, to everything, uh, other than dog names, which was Sharon and Lewis. Lewis, boom, cool. Well, next one we have coming up, I believe we're going to do the Kings, Sacramento. Uh, so no. I'm sure that'll be fun. The Kings are always a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, should be interesting. <laughs> uh, be so we got <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we have Milwaukee yep. and then Orlando. Yep, cool. What's, so what's up next? So. Bunch of young teams wow. coming up. Somehow I'm the least depressing of the next of yeah. the four. Oh, well, yeah. I think Milwaukee's going to be interesting next yeah. year. But Nope. That is just me. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't nope. think so? Nope. You're not, you're not into Point Giannis? <laughs> I like Point Giannis. It's a good name. I think too. Point Giannis is great. Uh, That's cool. a great dog name. It is. Name, name your dog Point Giannis and see if he ever responds <laughs> to you. Um, all right, cool. Again, this was a lot of fun. I'm here. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm here with Mike, as always. Seth joining us today. Um, continue to, to download, subscribe, all that stuff. But we'll tell you about that at the beginning of the podcast. And until next time, the Limited Upside Podcast.